Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rail Group On Air, presented by Railway Age and Railway Track and Structures magazines and International Railway Journal. I'm your host, Bill Wilson, and I am the editor-in-chief of RTNS Magazine, and welcome to another podcast. This is Rail Group On Air. Wildfires can be very unpredictable, but they also can be very strategic. Leading up to the 4th of July holiday this past summer, an Arizona Eastern Railway crew led by General Manager Kevin Jones thought a blaze on the San Carlos Reservation in Bylas, Arizona was finally lit. The 670-foot Gila River Rail Bridge appeared to be safe. The wind, however, gave out another order and the wildfire attacked again. Ushering in the southwest monsoon season was a change in the wind pattern, and the bridge was doomed. After the fire was finally under control, Jones and Ben Habig, Director of Bridges and Structures for Genesee and Wyoming's Western Region Railroads, were the first to survey the damage. Jones said, quote, it looked like a smoldering battle zone. There was nothing left, unquote. I had the chance to interview Jones about the Gila River Rail Bridge fire, which was one of several wildfires that covered the southwest U.S. this past summer. So here's my interview with Arizona Eastern Railway General Manager Kevin Jones. Talk about the wildfires this summer in general and, and the concern there and the effect it's had on your rail network. All right. So, um, first of all, uh, Arizona um, was coming off of uh, two years of record uh, drought. Um, and so, uh, the pretty much the whole area, the whole state was primed for fires. Um, and, we, you know, starting early in the season, we started seeing wildfire activity um, earlier than normal. Um, so specifically the Azer, uh, we encountered the Telegraph and Mescal fires uh, near simultaneously, um, <clears throat> which didn't uh, affect the railroad physically. We were fortunate enough that it, we had maintained enough standoffs, um, but it did affect us um, on the employee side um, and and within our local communities. Um, we're deeply rooted in our in these small towns and uh the the towns of miami um globe um were evacuated um along with many of our employees and uh their loved ones within the community um so that that did affect us um we had to you know uh, adjust our operations to handle that accordingly let letting our employees take care of their business on the home front um fortunately none of our employees lost their homes um and then none of their loved ones lost their homes, but the evacuations were obviously um, hard on everybody. Um, once uh, once we got through that, uh, pretty much the last 
one of the last major remaining fires, and it really wasn't a major one, was the bottom fire um, alongside of our right-of-way. Um, from the moment that started, it started in an area that was heavy, heavily vegetated along the Gila River. And, um, and we had great concern. Uh, our It sits in the bottom of a basin, and our, our railroad kind of skirts that basin. And as that fire progressed, it ver progressed very quickly. Um, and so multiple or, or many of our infrastructure uh, assets were, were in danger. Um, uh, fortunately, uh, there was, you know, the BLM and everything attacked it, uh, with, uh, uh, air support and, uh, you know, protecting our structures and, um, you know, uh, around 4th of July, we had it, uh, we thought we had it whipped, uh, we had a 98% contained, um, and uh, um, pretty much thought it was out at that point and uh, kind of let our guard down. Um, yeah, I think everybody did. Uh, coming off the holiday, 4th of July holiday weekend, uh, the winds changed and um, it was pretty much kind of the start of the uh, beginning of a monsoon season. And um, so the wind changed with, an, with a storm pushing the fire back towards a direction that we weren't expecting. Um, pushing it into one of our uh, our bridges and um, pretty much, uh, you know, burning up the bridge. Um, the fire was so intense, so quick moving that even our established uh, preventive measures such as brush cutting, um, you know, for up, up to 100 feet on each side of that structure um, and along the right of way in that area um, as preventive measures for that fire um, failed and, uh, you know, burned up the bridge in, in relatively quick order um, to the fact there was no no chance of fighting it or or even getting the resources there to attempt to fight it um, that's that's really about it you know we spent the next 14 days after that rebuilding that bridge um, putting a lot of impact on our customer um, which is already you know part of the community and had already been fighting its you know its own employee evacuations and and uh, the struggles up to that point so um, you know, it was just laid on top of that kind of a, you know, cherry on top of all that we had gone through through the fire season already. So you guys, your crews were able to get on the bridge, but the bridge was still smoldering at that point. What what are your workers, you know, taught to do in that kind of situation? How do they deal with those kind of circumstances when, you know, there's still smoke going on, there's still, you know, an active fire for the much for the most part still going on and how do they go about their business with all that in the in the background um yeah so we we uh uh just just didn't throw my employees out there uh it was myself and another uh manager um we uh we were in close contact with the the, the fire uh, the, the fire agency or the agency that was in charge of that fire at the moment um and once we got the okay uh, to go out and assess, um, yes, the structure was still smoldering. Um, you know, there was still active some active fire on it. Um, they were the agencies uh, couldn't provide really much support, so we kind of had to come up with our own means um, to to get some water tanks out there to to put out the remaining you know uh, hot spots um, while the fire agencies were focused on the next target down the down the line. 
um, which was homes and, and a ranch and, and some, um, you know, other personal property. So, uh, you know, we were kind of left to, 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 to deal with that. Um, like I said, which, uh, we, we made sure we were keeping close, close contact with that firefighting services and stuff to make sure that, you know, we, we, we were safe to go into that area. Um, and that, that communication had to continue pretty much nonstop. They were uh, available on radio, phone, whatever means, um, at a moment's notice if, if something was to change. Um, but, you know, that, that communication was paramount to, to allowing our resources to start moving in there. Now, working around the, the smoldering, it was just uh, taking it slow, um, dismantling anything that could potentially, uh, you know, fall or, um, you know, and setting up a, a safe work site. Um, and just just being methodical about it, uh, you know. I, I uh, you know, personally, I I did wildland firefighting, so I tried to you know rely on some of the stuff I learned when I did that back back when I was a, did wildland firefighting. And it just uh, you you we monitored the weather uh, constantly, um, and uh, you know, especially with monsoon season setting in, that means uh, we have the erratic thunderstorms that are approach, um, which can shift a, a fire or the wind direction pretty much at a moment's notice. So uh, just a lot of that was taken into consideration those first days, especially, um, you know, until that fire was, was pretty much exhausted. And, um, and, you know, that's all, that's all you can pretty much do. So you were on the scene, if you can, you know, provide a picture of what you saw when you first arrived on the scene and just, you know, just what it looked like. Um, again, it was it, uh, the approach. Uh, I mean, we had we had already kind of gotten an idea what what it was. It sounded like it was complete destruction. Um, as we approached, it was smoldering ties here and there. So it kind of like set up, uh, you know. And, and looking at the surrounding area, it just kind of set the scene. You know, looked like a, um, you know, a smoldering you know, battle zone, there was nothing left. Uh, the vegetation was completely gone. And as we approached the, uh, the bridge, um, you know, it was just, uh, uh, well, your, your heart just sunk when you saw, you know, a structure like that, uh, no major, major rail structure like that completely gone. And, um, you know, the rail rails were basically hanging, um, down from the approaches draped across, you know, drooping down, um, from the remaining still structures and, um, you know, the ties and all, anything that was wood was either gone or, or near gone at that point. And, uh, it just, just dismay. Uh, I mean, we had been out there, um, the, you know, the, in the previous week up to that weekend, um, again, with the, the, the thought in our head that this fire was, was under control and contained and then, to roll up on that scene just 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 disheartening disheartening uh to see that now uh, getting the structural ties for replacement was a challenge you want to talk about that uh, you, uh, it looks like you had to do a lot of legwork to get the structural ties that you needed for the job yeah so i mean i think in the times that we're in right now uh you know supply chain is a is a big thing that's that everybody's struggling with. So to have something like this happening, as well as, you know, with other wildfires in the area, other railroads being affected with, a, with similar circumstances, you know, put a put strain on the, an already strained supply chain. So, um, yeah, it was fast acting to to resort to find uh, the replacement ties. 
Um, we found, uh, so basically, uh, reused ties um, that were available locally uh, with one of our local vendors. Fortunately, had them on hand. Um, they, they, they were not the right uh, dimensions. Um, and so we had to kind of, that was just another challenge. Uh, um, even though they're not, weren't the right dimensions, uh, we had to work on the means to find somebody um, to cut them down or mill them into our specifications. And uh, fortunately, we were able to work with the, uh, a local uh, lumber mill and, uh, you know, work with them to, to get them milled down. Um, to the right, the right sizes, basically. Um, again, you know, we don't, we didn't have much choice, of, you know, if, if we wanted to be with the time constraints. Um, so, uh, it was pretty much whatever we could do. We, we were able to source regular new ties and all that, but the time frames would have just been too, too long to, uh, to do that if we, if we could not, uh, or couldn't afford it. So we, uh, you know, it was just a challenge that we were able to overcome. Fortunately. So then you want to talk, you know, in general terms, talk about the construction or, or the reconstruction sequence of this bridge then uh, once you find the material in place. And then I guess you also experienced a lot of rain uh, during this time. Yeah. So, yeah. To, uh, so the construction, we started literally from one end of the bridge and worked our way uh, back to the other end. Um, you know, again, um, one of the constraints was uh, – but again, not just not just ties, but materials in general, getting there um, and orchestrating all that stuff to come together and all the crafts to come together to rebuild the the approaches the to the bridge, the bridge itself, the steel structure, having welders that are on on hand, um, and uh, the geographical just location of it. So, um, you know, it, it is uh, it did take place on an, an Indian reservation, so we. Um, we had to work through the local government to, um, you know, work through access uh, permissions um, across the tribal lands. Um, we had archaeological concerns in that area that we had to um, coordinate with their resources to make sure that, you know, we could operate our heavy machinery without uh, um, disturbing any of those uh, sites. Um, so, Again, uh, so a lot of, and, and again, ongoing fire concerns the whole time. So anytime we had a storm come through with lightning, um, we always had that concern and, and always at the back of our mind. So a lot of communication and, um, and a, lot, a lot of thanks to the tribal agencies that worked with us to, to help us with that. Um, but as we worked through that, uh, again, the monsoon season was starting. So um, I think we're coming off the second wettest monsoon season on record. Um, or one of the ones on record here in Arizona. So complete opposite of what we had dealt with during the summer. Um, and so on a daily basis towards the end of that, uh, you know, we'd watch every every storm develop on the up of the mountains and work their way into our direction. Um, as that happened, you know, we, again, we had to watch for lightning danger and then uh, the occasional flash flooding and, um, um, you know, which, which, stopped the operation all uh, completely several times um, where we just had to stop, uh, pick up, uh, move our equipment up to high ground and, and then come back in the morning and see, see what the area looked like. Um, sometimes coming back and it looks like a completely different landscape um, just based on the high waters that flushed through there uh, over the course of the night. And 
you know, that was kind of frustrating. Obviously, uh, you know, we'd make progress and have to stop and make and get progress and, and having to stop every time it, you know, a thunderstorm would come through. Um, but again, safety is our number one, you know, paramount thing. So, you know, it's an easy decision to just pull everybody back and come back the next day and, and pick up the pieces. Talk about communication because, you know, wireless service was not the greatest. Uh, and it looks like you really had to do a lot of face-to-face uh, communication during this project. How did that affect everything that went on? Um, it, it, it was more of a, the biggest effect was just, it was just time. Um, it just took longer to get, get some things done. Um, you know, in the end, uh, it's something that we can, um, be lax on though. The communication had to be there. And, and like I said earlier, whether it be with our local fire departments, um, you know, we had, uh, they actually stationed, um, you know, uh, men and equipment near our location, just, just in case there was a break in communication and they had to, um, physically reach out to us and, you know, to, uh, warn us or, or evacuate us. Um, you know, but right up to the, the, the agencies, uh, again, there's no cell, there was no real, real cell phone service out there. You had to venture off to a high point to try to get any kind of cell phone service. So even the local, uh, uh, agencies, uh, the tribal agencies, um, you know, those were all face-to-face meetings on site. Um, and, uh, you know, in some ways, good face-to-face communication, you know, is, is better because, you know, your messages and their, um, your needs are come across more clear. Um, but, but other than that, I mean, uh, just, just getting resources there, it was, it was a lot of time, time wasted, I guess, trying to find a, vantage point to either get emails or make those phone calls, whether it be ordering supplies, talking to the vendors, you know, coordinating everything. Um, you know, you just had to carve out that time uh, to, uh, to find cell phone service wherever you could find it close by and, and get a piece of signal and, and make those calls and emails. So my final question is, you know, moving forward, and they even mentioned this in the, in the write-up that you're looking to replace some of your timber-based bridges with steel or concrete. Uh, is, is that in response to the wildfires over the last two or three years, or was this always in the plans? Um, I don't know if it's always in the plans. I guess I would say the plans are usually, uh, you know, I guess in general plans would be to go with whatever's the most economical, you know, whether it be wood or concrete whatever but this has definitely changed our perception of that um you know we can't afford to just keep rebuilding even if wood was the cheapest we can't afford to keep rebuilding our bridges so um, I, w- I would say our perception has changed with uh, the amount of wildfires so yes um you know in that area specifically areas that we have uh, heavy vegetation um you know it makes sense to you know, if we do lose structures or replace structures in capital or improve on them to, to make those improvements to, uh, to take that into consideration. So, uh, we're going to take that into consideration, um, going forward as long as, uh, our brush cutting and, and needs, um, you know, uh, going forward, you know, we're going to look and heavily, um, heavily look at where we're brush cutting, how much we're investing into that, um, on an annual basis. So yes, I'd say the fires in general over the last few years have changed our perception. And, and you know, I'm responsible for 
a couple of railroads, but I know the regional folks and, and Tom with the corporate, you know, they have a large nationwide scale and, and just hearing, you know, I know we're not the only ones that have, have suffered this. So and as you're aware, so I'm sure everybody should be looking at that. So this is really a success story. Even though the bridge was lost, crews overcame several obstacles and challenges to replace the structure in just 14 days. What an incredible first-hand account of the devastation of a wildfire. I'd like to thank Kevin Jones from the Arizona Eastern Railway, as well as Genesee and Wyoming for making it all happen. For Rail Group on Air, I'm Bill Wilson, and I will see you down the line.